0: One of the most widespread activities in all of the universe is that of growth. And often it seems that this whole universe is alive and growing. Our children, my, they grow up so much quicker and so much faster than we want them to doesn't seem like it's been that many years ago that chubby hands would bring me a double handful of a broken toy and say, Daddy, fix it. They still come to me and say, Daddy, fix it. Only now it usually involves a lot more complicated solution and it's a lot more expensive. The point is... We turn around, we blink our eyes, and our children are grown. Most of us have a pet of some sort. We have a cat, or we have cats. We have a dog, or we have dogs. And a wobbly-legged puppy, or a tiny kitten is a, full-grown dog or a full-grown cat in just a few short months. But more important than any other growth is the growth that takes place in the individual, in me and in you and us. And that's what I want us to consider this morning because it's that growth that is supremely important to us. You see, in most instances, growth is almost automatic. In the realm of the physical, we eat because we're hungry. We sleep because we're tired. And we exercise because the doctor tells us to. And then growth just happens. It's unsought, it's unplanned, it's just inevitable. Occasionally something goes wrong. And when something goes wrong, growth is interrupted. And that means tragedy. And most of us have seen that occasionally in some dwarfed child. But there are some areas of life where growth doesn't just happen. Where growth is not an automatic thing. In the spiritual realm of our lives growth does not take place without plan and without effort. In the spiritual realm of our lives growth is only achieved by conscious desire and diligent effort. As Christians our greatest desire should be to grow into the likeness of Jesus Christ. That's why we were singing the songs that we sang just a few moments ago. That's why we often sing that beloved old hymn, Oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer, this is my constant longing and prayer. Gladly I'll forfeit all of earth's treasures. Jesus, thy perfect likeness to wear a lot of the time while growth is our desire, while growth is what we want it often gets crowded out by the trivia of the day and we find ourselves striving for the same goals and striving in much the same manner for those goals that non-Christians do our problem is that we live in an increasingly secular world. And often the sheer mass of secular, non-spiritual things and activities crowds out the deepest longings of our heart to be a spiritual people. I'm afraid. Oftentimes we're like a farmer I read about one time. It seems this particular farmer was missing a a lot, a lot of Sunday worship services. And the preacher stopped by to see him one afternoon. And he asked the farmer, he said, well, how are you doing with your relationship with Christ? And the farmer said, well, I'm not making a lot of progress, but I'm happy because I'm well established. Here's a news flash for you. That wasn't, an answer that made the preacher very happy. But he let it go, didn't argue, just said, well, have a good day and left. A week later, the farmer is hauling some hay and his tractor got stuck in the mud. And no matter how hard he tried, no matter what gear he put it in, no matter how he dug, no matter what he did, he couldn't get that tractor out of the mud. And with a sense of defeat, he sits down and sitting there surveying the dismal situation around him. And about five minutes has gone by and the preacher shows up. The preacher looked over at him and said, well, I see you're not making any progress. But you must be happy because it seems you're well established. Folks, there's a lot of church members like that all over this country of ours. Folks that think they're well established in the faith, and the truth is they're just stuck in the mud. They don't read God's Word. They don't study and meditate on it. They don't share God's love with anybody else. They're not making any progress. They're not growing spiritually. The Bible emphasizes over and over the importance of the growth of the soul. Our text comes from Third John, the first four verses. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. The aged Apostle John is writing to a younger Christian, a man by the name of Gaius. A man who's growing spiritually. A man who's developing spiritually the way John had hoped that he would. And John says, I pray you can prosper. I pray you'll be in health in the same way your soul is prospering. John commends him for this. And John expresses the desire that his health would prosper to the same degree that his soul is prospering, that he is prospering spiritually. It's a wonderful wish. It's also a wonderful compliment. And yet as we think about what John wishes for Gaius. And what John wanted for Gaius. And what John prayed for Gaius. Is that something we would want? Would we want our physical health to prosper and be good to the same extent that our spiritual health is prospering? Would we want our physical health to be as good as the health of our soul is when we turn to the letter that was written to the Hebrew Christians a group of Hebrews who had become Christians but because they'd found life as Christians to be hard they were contemplating going back to Judaism and there's a negative warning there it's found in Hebrews chapter 5 beginning in verse 12 through chapter 6 and verse 3 for when for the time that you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again what be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he's a babe, but strong meat. Belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let's go on to perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God of the doctrine of baptisms and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will do, if God permit. You see, those Hebrew Christians, they were not growing spiritually. As I said, they were in danger of leaving the Lord and going back to Judaism. And then there are other admonitions found in the Scriptures. There's a positive emphasis. It's in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto a measure of the stature. Of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children. Tossed to and fro. And carried about by every wind of doctrine. By the slight of men. And by cunning craftiness. But. He says. Speaking the truth in love. We may grow up into him in all things. Which is the head. Even Christ. That we may grow up into Christ. Paul said. Then Peter has this admonition in 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7. Besides this, giving all diligence, Peter says, add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, temperance. To temperance, patience. To patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, he says, love. When you look at the Christians of the first century, what do you see? All of us are aware of the spiritual giants that we read about in the Bible. How did they get that way? How did those early Christians achieve their spiritual strength? Quite simply, they grew by association. Take those apostles, for example. Those twelve men that Jesus called to be His closest companions and His closest associates. Those men were the family that Jesus chose. And yet those twelve men were very ordinary men. They were fishermen. And they were tax collectors. They were not highly educated. They did not come from the cream of society. And yet after three years, they were the great apostles who established the church. Peter and John were unlettered, uneducated fishermen. And do you remember what the authorities, the Sanhedrin said about them? It said, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. And perceived they were unlearned and ignorant men. They took knowledge of them. Are you listening? That they had been with Jesus. They may have been unlearned and they may have been ignorant men. But their lives showed that they had been with Jesus. That's in Acts chapter 4 and verse 13. That little band of men, they accompanied Jesus wherever He went. And they observed Him under stress. They observed Him under strain. They watched Jesus react to His angry critics. And they watched Him answer the questions with love in His heart. They observed Jesus in long nights of prayer. They ate with Jesus. They traveled with Jesus. And they grew. They grew spiritually because of their association with Jesus Christ. So then you ask, well, how did Paul come about? How did Paul become such a spiritual giant? Because we remember that Paul came too late to be an apostle to be a part of that original band of apostles. Paul actually spoke of himself as a child untimely born. And that's what he, by that he meant he was not part of that original group. But the answer is the same. Paul grew through his own association with Jesus. If you read the Galatian letter, in the Galatian letter in the very first chapter, Paul tells us of his early experience as a Christian. In that first chapter of the Galatian letter, he tells us that he spent three years in the Arabian desert with the Lord. Because of that time spent with Jesus... Paul would write that beautiful passage in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. He knows he's coming to the end of his life. And he says, For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I'm not ashamed. Why are you not ashamed, Paul? Why do you suffer? Because I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Later in his life, Paul would say without any egotism whatsoever, be you imitators of me as I also am of Christ. In the 21st century, 2,000 years later, You and I need to be growing as Christians. And we grow by association. We grow by association with Christians of our own day and time. We grow by spending time with other Christians in our recreation. And that helps us to develop spiritually by worshiping together, by studying God's Word together, we mature as Christians. We also grow spiritually by association with those in need. Those that are sick, those that are disturbed, those that are bereaved, those that are poor, those that are young, those that are old, by knowing the problems of others. By knowing the needs of others, by ministering to those needs and those problems and helping with those things, we grow and we develop. We grow as we share in the sufferings of others. We also grow by association with Christians of other generations. Maybe people we've never met. Maybe we pe- people that have long since crossed the chilly Jordan. But when we can read the writings of men such as Foy Wallace, C.R. Nickel, R. L. Whiteside. Reading their writings and drinking deeply of what they have written. We can grow spiritually. Reading biographies of men like that, we can see what spiritual giants they came to be. One of my favorite, I have two favorite stories of C.R. Nickel. He was a great gospel preacher. But one of my two favorite stories is that Brother Nickel was holding a two-week long, this was back in the days of the protracted meetings as they used to call them, He was holding a two-week-long meeting or revival in a particular town. And the brethren were not supporting the services each evening. The elders of the church weren't even supporting it well. So the meeting had started on a Sunday. And on Thursday night it came time for the services to start and the song leader was in place and everyone was there and it was the appointed time to start and Brother Nickel wasn't there. <clears throat> so they started the song service and a couple of the elders were dispatched to the local hotel where Brother Nickel was staying. It was an old three-story hotel in this little town. It had a big front porch and the elders walked up and there sat Brother Nickel. Sitting in a rocking chair on the front porch, enjoying a glass of iced tea and reading the newspaper. The elder said, Brother Nickel, are you feeling fine? He said, oh, I never felt better. I just had a good meal and life is great. Well, you know, we're having a meeting at church this week. He said, yeah, that's what I heard. Well, you know, you're supposed to be preaching. He said, yeah, but... I just didn't like feel like it tonight and I figured since all you brethren have been taking a night or two off I was going to take the night off I'll be there tomorrow night you wouldn't believe what great crowds they had the rest of the meeting Brother Nickel always walked with his head very erect someone asked him one time they said Brother Nickel you, you walk around so proud you act like you own the world he looked at him and he smiled he said I don't but my father does. That was the depth of that man's faith in God as his father. We can learn and grow spiritually by reading the writings that those men have left us and reading biographies of how they conducted their lives. It's impossible to read the writings of David Lipscomb without being drawn closer to the Lord by doing so. And through reading, we can... Associate with many great Christians of other generations. We can take this book and we can read the lives of great Bible characters and we can grow and we can mature spiritually. Instead of just reading chapters or spending so many minutes a day just reading or getting one of those schedules to read through the Bible in a year, Let's read about some character in the Bible. And let's associate with the characters in the Bible that we're reading about. And through an eye of faith, we can actually be part of the crowd. We can feel the tension of the crisis. We can participate in the events that we're reading about. We can read the story of Joseph. And if we read the story of Joseph as we read any other work of literature His life becomes real. And the lessons become meaningful in our own lives. And by living with Moses and David and the prophets, we can drink in their spiritual strength. We can read the New Testament and we can travel with the apostles. We can feel the yearning of their hearts. We can be built up by their examples. And think of what it would be like as we read the pages of the New Testament and as the characters come alive for us what it would mean to associate with young timid Timothy or with Titus. Or to be with Mary as she was the first one to the tomb or Dorcas as she made clothing for those less fortunate or Lydia the seller of purple by the riverside or those that Jesus looked at and said neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. Through the pages of this book. Through studying this book and the lives of those that were in close contact with God and with Jesus Christ. We associate with God and we associate with Christ. And we can grow spiritually. Through the word of God. We can walk the dusty roads of Palestine with Jesus and the events of his ministry. And by doing that the way the apostles did, we grow spiritually. Through periods of prayer and study and meditation, we too can become spiritual giants. The choice, however, is one that all of us have to make for ourselves. It's a choice that begins when we make that decision to give our lives to Christ. When we make that decision that Jesus is going to be Lord and Master of our lives. And if you've never done that, I'd beg you to do it before you leave this building. But the process continues. As every day, we grow closer and closer to Jesus. As every day, we let Jesus take control of more and more of our lives. I don't know what's going on in your world. I don't know what the needs of your life might be. But if you need to make changes for Jesus to be Lord and Master of all of your life, and we can help you make those changes, this is your opportunity to come and let us help you do that as together we stand and while we sing.